We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by one of the co-owners of Rotoviz. It is Sean Siegel. Sean, we're uh, going to have a real fun week here. We have been doing the three shows per week over the last couple of weeks here on uh, Rotoviz OT, but we're going to have a, a special guest joining us um, for pretty much a special announcement uh, later this week. As uh, Ben Gretsch will jump on for one of the shows, we'll keep. Uh, the tease of what the announcement will be i guess until that show but it's it's pretty exciting here for us at rotoviz and rotoviz radio so it's going to be going to be fun today on the show that we're going to be talking best ball as we have been and I, I don't know about you but i think um best ball has been growing in popularity over the last couple of years but i think it's it's almost become mainstream this season in terms of like the articles the content on other sites outside of rotoviz so it's uh it's a fun time when we're doing these drafts but we did a couple of uh best ball tournament drafts over the ffpc over the past weekend so some of that will be added in as well as we look at one of your articles up on rotaviz.com so uh, really looking forward to today's show and the, the week of shows as well that we've got coming up here yeah we we've had a lot of great content you and zach have done a fantastic best ball show for the channel listeners have really been able to learn a lot with that i've been enjoying that one and then this past weekend i got to draft with zach in the ffpc one hundred thousand dollar best ball tournament on his show roster locked that's coming out on the channel as well you can tune in uh, listen to that draft but today colin we're going to go over an article that i have looking at you know whether or not drafters are adjusting to a big loophole in these FFPC slim contests. And then look at our two drafts. I had a draft of Zach, you had a draft of Zach. Some interesting things going on there. We'll get through that. And hopefully one of these teams will win the $100,000. But for listeners, you're going to hope that you can figure out what we did well, what we did poorly, and you can win the $100,000 for yourself. So let's get into this strategy argument here. And 
Not surprisingly, on Rotoviz, on OT, we're talking about where running backs are being drafted and if they're being drafted too heavily. So the first piece that I had a couple weeks ago talked about these first seven round starts. So more or less looking at our starting lineup and what we wanted to do with the flex positions. And one of the things that we found is that a two running back, four wide receiver lineup, thereby having the two flex positions filled with wide receivers, performed a lot better than a balanced lineup or a four running back, two wide receiver lineup. That kind of brings us back to this question of, okay, how are running backs being drafted? What is ADP like this year? We can go back and look at this a couple of different ways. Now, one of the things that we've been doing to kind of cross-reference, we've got a year's worth of data on the SLIM. That format started in 2020. We have four years of data on the Classic, which started in 2017. Now, one of the things that we can do, we can use the roster construction explorers to figure out what are the differences and what are the similarities in the two formats. And one of the things that it looks like is the SLIM plays a little bit more like a best ball 10 or sort of in the middle of those two contests. It's going to be a little bit more favorable for wide receivers. But we can also look and see what are the trends in classic drafting versus the trends in slim drafting. So one of the things I looked at here is that through the first four rounds, these fairly running back heavy rounds, how are drafters adjusting to all of this information that we have that really pretty conclusively demonstrates that you shouldn't be taking so many running backs early? 2017, 17 running backs going in the first four rounds. 2018, that jumps up to 22 and nine running backs in round one by itself. 20, 2019, that jumps up to 23 running backs in the first four rounds. And then in 2020, it stays at that level. Now, there weren't as many first round picks in 2019 and 2020, but by 2020, we had 13 guys going in the first two rounds. So 13 of the first 24 picks were running backs. That was a new high watermark. And Colin, when we get in here and we look at how the classic compared to the slim, we discovered that they were being drafted very similarly. Only 22 running backs in the slim instead of 23, but in those first two rounds, there were even more. Eight in the first round, six in the second. So 14 of those first 24 picks were at the running back position. Of course, the real question now is what are people doing in 2021? Have we finally adjusted? You pull up the ADP from the last couple of weeks and you see, no, we still have 22 running backs in those first four rounds, and now 15 running backs in the first two, eight in the first, seven in the second. Colin, you've been drafting in some of these formats. Is this the experience that you've been having? What are your thoughts on having this many running backs going so early? Yeah, it's pretty much um, across the board. Now, there's been a few drafts where I've been in where we haven't seen the running backs go as much in the third, fourth, fifth round, you know, in the kind of when we get into that dead zone area. But in general, I think across the board, it's it's very, very similar to those previous years. It is interesting to see as well that it's pretty consistent across all rounds. So even where like we might give credit and say in round four, for example, in 2020, there was only three running backs being taken and that it was only four the year before. But we're seeing that continuously. It's not just a case that oh, people are getting smarter and deciding not to draft running backs in round four. It's just that the wide receiver value at this point is screaming so much in your face that you have to take those wide receivers. So we're seeing it year on year. I think we're going to see it. Sean, I don't think this is ever changing. I think we're, <laughs> we're locked into this for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, I know we joke sometimes about Twitter and you're not on Twitter, but if you go 
on Twitter, uh, the, the opposite of what we see in these numbers is, is what's true. So um, I think that we're, we're in a pretty healthy position for our builds. Again, you can, like round one, for example, there's a lot of running backs going, but if you can get one of those guys, you know, the elite end guys, and probably in the top six picks, that, that can really set us up here as well. So not too concerned about the first round running backs, but it's when we get into the second and third round where where there's a lot of guys going but that's going to push them down and give us that value as well so in terms of what i'm seeing this year it's uh, very very much the same as the the last two to three years in terms of the draft process which which is uh which is enjoyable it is and and one of the things that we do see a little bit I do get the sense that some drafters are trying to avoid the running back dead zone. But yeah. One of the things that's happening in order to do that is people are reaching for them even more in round one or two. They're pulling more of those guys up. You're He's not actually avoiding a dead zone running back if you're taking the running back 15, who's usually into the dead zone, but you're taking him as a second rounder instead of a third round. You're just paying more for that same risk. And so that's one of the things that we would encourage people to look at is, are you really avoiding the dead zone with the guys that you're taking? The other thing that we see here is that because of how expensive running backs are, that running back, running back is less effective than simply that one running back start. So running back wide receiver, we look at 2020 and we see that slim format, a running back, running back start only has an 8.4 win percentage. When you think about, so that's about average, right? But when you think about all of the really bad builds that people put together and, and most of the, the really low scores come from those, I mean, you, you want almost anything you do to be well above that average level. And then in terms of top 2%, we're only getting 1.8 of those teams in there. So again, below average from that perspective, whereas running back wide receiver, that's 9.3, 2.8 in the top two. So not numbers that are necessarily going to blow you away, but that's a substantial difference when we're looking at 2,700 teams in the one, 2,100 teams in the other. This thing we can look at here in terms of running back, running back builds, and what you might be able to do if you go that route is that if you go start running back, running back, but then you wait for your third running back until after round seven, then the numbers become pretty decent, right? They jump up to over 12%. You get more than 3% in that top 2% range. And so that type of construction will work for you it's still probably not the best approach but it is something that you can do if you want to be running back heavy one of the things that we'd like to talk about on the show is that you don't have to use zero running back or even single elite running back if that's not the way that you prefer there are other ways that you can work it so let's try and figure out the way that works for you the way that you're comfortable with if you're an ot listener but you do like running backs early make sure that that's the approach that you use now one of the things i wanted to point out was that that's successful, but it's just not very frequently used. Only 423 of the almost 2,700 running back, running back starts actually took that approach. One of the things, too, that can be misleading when we talk about, oh, running back, running back isn't that bad. Well, once you pull out that group, then the rest of the group falls to 7.6%. So if you're starting running back, running back, but then you're not really waiting for your third, then your team is not going to be very good. So that's something we want to keep in mind as we look at this. And then column down part two of the show, after the break, we're going to look at our drafts and see how well we did the great picks, the disappointing picks, uh, things that happened during the draft that we had to adjust to. And I think it's interesting here, both of our teams started with the same guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, we jump into the teams we dive in, we start to look at it, and you'll be able to find these as well on, on my Twitter feed or on, on Zachary Kruger's Twitter feed. Sean mentioned already the best best ball podcast series that we're doing. Um, it is up on the road of his main feed, and uh, that will also have my draft with Zach and Sean's draft with Zach coming out in multiple parts over the next uh, kind of week to 10 days uh, you can also find the podcast directory page on my twitter feed which has all the episodes from the series because we don't have a, a setup feed for it it's coming out on the main feed so to keep them all in one place so do check that out lots of uh, very interesting discussion if you enjoy the stuff we talk about on here we kind of we really got into the weeds on a couple of very specific episodes uh, about different topics so uh, check that out but sean we'll have a look here first at the team that you drafted with zach and uh, a couple of players can be no surprise to the listeners uh, as to who ends up on these rosters and something that I enjoyed when you were on with him you talked about he said like you know what about drafting guys that maybe you don't like and you just said well I I don't draft guys that I don't like I just draft guys I like so that that's very much my approach as well but when we look at it Darren Waller was the pick at 104 you mentioned before the break that it was uh, similar to our pick so it was the exact same we did of the 105 so one pick later um, but I, I think going and reaching, uh, whether it is reaching, he's kind of going at the 108, 109 range. But again, it comes down to the process of getting the guy you want in terms of the roster and the roster construction as well. So stepping forward there and taking Darren Waller, uh, it'll be interesting to see where his ADP finishes up over the next uh, you know two months if we continue to draft him at you know fourth overall. But uh, will, will we have enough of an impact on the on the ADP? But I, I'm very comfortable taking him there. Yeah, this was a tricky one. I really wanted us to have a top three pick or a pick in the bottom, maybe not third, but like the bottom five picks because in rounds you know, two, but especially rounds four and six and perhaps even eight, there are a lot of guys that unless you're going to reach, and this is what we ended up doing to an extent, unless you're going to reach by a half a round to a full round, then you're not going to get very good value on some of these key players who are going in the second half right and so if if you have that pick then you can in many cases take waller or the constellation pick there i think would be tyreek hill and then you can get a lot of those guys so you can start with hill you can get hawkinson in the third or fourth round you can perhaps get george kittle in the second round in our draft here an owner was able to start hill kittle which even with the question marks surrounding kittle i think that that's a very very good start that would be one of my favorites for 2021 our situation here we were hoping that either cook or kelsey would fall to the 104 because there are some other interesting guys in there certainly you could have an alvin Kamara, an ezekiel elliott a saquon barkley as someone who would go in the top three we just had enough questions about those top running backs with Kamara, it's the offense with elliott it's the injuries and him sort of appearing to hit the wall you know you're getting the puff pieces about how 
great the shape he is in this year. But I think that, you know, with Pollard in there, with the offense being very pass heavy, with him not looking like himself last year, you know, right before Todd Gurley and David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell really collapsed, you were hearing people talk about them being the best shape of their lives. So it's not necessarily always about the best shape. It's like, are you still young and explosive? And so some questions there, Barkley, the offense, you know, how is that going to work? Anytime players are recovering. And so Corlin Sutton, someone I've always really liked, was maybe the right pick for us uh, in round six. You and Zach took him there. He's someone else where if you're going to be choosing between Sutton and Jerry Judy, Sutton more proven. Judy had some issues last season. At the same time, I mean, he's probably going to be the big breakout player for the Broncos this year. So it's breakout versus bounce back. I'll take the guys who were more clear about the health. Now, it's kind of fun with both of our teams selecting Waller at the beginning that we had some more uh, sort of puff pieces coming out today, talking about how Darren Waller is going to build on his season from last year. That'll be a real challenge. But if he can stay in that same vicinity, then I think he'll pay off as a first-round pick. And what he does is he really sets up what we want to do from that point on. Round two, A.J. Brown. Round three, C.D. Lamb. That's a little bit early for Lamb based on ADP, but it's not at all based on my individual rankings. Like those guys there, and then we felt very fortunate to get Travis Etienne coming back to us in round four. That allowed us to have exposure to one of these top running backs, and we think that Etienne will be in that category without then having to either reach or to start going after our second running back, which in that case would be our first running back. But in that area where we really want to be wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, maybe a quarterback, we didn't have to select any running backs in that range. So Waller, Brown, Lamb, ETN, the first four-round start. Yeah, and for us, um, there were some of them very, very similar decisions that we had to make when we were on the board. Um, we went a slightly different approach. We did kind of plot out what we were trying to do just as a niche strategy, obviously, in this contest, large field contest, you're getting into... Um, you know trying to impact those final weeks at the end of it if you do win your season long league to to try and win the whole thing so we went in with an approach and Zach pitched it to me early in the day and I, I wasn't really <laughs> that sold on it and it was to kind of go for the Falcons early on so when we start off we have Darn Waller at the the 105 so that was kind of similar process to what you you discussed but the next pickup was uh, Calvin Ridley so this is one where we have talked on this we expect the falcons probably to struggle this year as a team i think their defense is going to struggle but i think on the other side of that is we're going to see them need to put up points to stay in games so targeting that offense from that perspective with hopefully a concentration on ridley and pitts ended up that we went that way now i had talked to him before it about does that mean we need to get matt ryan as well we didn't we said it wasn't essential but we ended up going and getting him later in the draft so we started off with darren waller calvin ridley so when we had ridley on the board that was the third wide receiver that went off the board Diggs and hill had gone at that point so we did have the option to go to aj brown but um it just was the strategy that we decided we were going to target the falcons to have that kind of that that stack going into it uh, after that then it was kyle pitts again pitts going a little bit later in this draft so i, I think there we did probably go a bit early on that but again to, to get that approach so we did pass over lamb as well but both players like we've talked about on the show previously that we do like the other one then that when we got into it on the way back we did go with uh, dj Moore. i've been picking up dj Moore in most drafts that i'm drafting at the kind of first portion of the, the draft in that fourth round so 
um, you know, people talking about potentially a disappointing year last year. I think when we look into the numbers, uh, it, it, it was pretty solid by all accounts. So still, still uh, potential for him to work and beat that again. So we started off with the two tight ends, Sean. Are you thinking, um, and I've done this a few times just to test it out here earlier in the process, because I do think we'll hear more reports about Pitts, and I do think he'll probably, as high as his ADP is, it'll probably eke a bit higher. So I think if you're going to do this approach, now is the time to do it. But what's your thoughts on, on double dipping a tight end at that early portion and investing as much in, in the position as we have? I love investing at the tight end. I think I would prefer to do it with one of the first rounders or Kittle coming back. And then uh, guys like Hawkinson, Andrews, Fant, Logan Thomas, Mike Gesicki. The the price on Pitts is, is just pretty crazy, right? And it's not to say that he couldn't pay off at that level because he comes in as an elite talent. He's going to be a focal point of the offense. He's going to have Calvin Ridley as the guy who's drawing coverage. And so he's going to be able to play off of Ridley effectively in that manner. He's got a very solid quarterback in Matt Ryan. I don't know that the schedule is as helpful as it might be in a lot of years. That's one of the things that John Daigle mentioned to us when he was on the show recently. If you haven't heard him, make sure and check out that episode. My other question here would be in terms of the stack, you pull up the best ball win rate explorer, you go to the stack analysis, you look at QB wide receiver one tight end one, and you see that that has a win rate of only 7.9% top two percentage. Also very poor. Now, one of the things that Zach and I talked a lot about on the show is that the best stacks for getting to the playoffs and the best stacks for winning in the playoffs with that a series of one-week tournaments may be different. Do you like the chances for both of those guys to score at such a high level, knowing that they're early draft picks, that both of them can score in the playoffs and really carry your team to that success? Obviously, if you have both of those guys, I do like Matt Ryan coming back in round nine where you selected him. If they score enough for you to keep advancing in the playoffs, when you consider the caliber of team that you'll be facing in those playoff weeks, then Matt Ryan obviously is going to score as well. Yeah, so obviously, again, in the tournament approach, it might be going and swinging for the fences a little bit on the offense, but my thought process on that would be we don't need them to both hit on that specific week and you know get the win on, say, week 14. But if it's a case that the Atlanta Falcons do score 25 to 30 points in week 14 and week 15 and week 16 well the chances are that one of those two guys is going to put up a lot of points and then Matt Ryan's also going to put up those points so a bit like if we're looking at weekly DFS we might need all three guys to hit the one week if they do obviously that would be phenomenal but I think it's a case of trying to maximize that throughout the team so it is a lot to invest if say one of those guys doesn't perform in week 14 but at the same time, if we're drafting any of these players week 14, we might see a, a dip down in production. Or So it's a case of trying to maximize the effectiveness of that offense throughout the playoffs. So again, I do think it's it's quite risky, but I think throughout the season, on one, like each week, one of those guys is probably going to, to be very efficient in terms of putting up points. Because I, I do think they're going to have to score. Maybe they just do, Maybe the offense just doesn't score, but... Uh, I'm pretty confident in Matt Ryan as a quarterback and I think as well there's been obviously a lot of talk around is he at the end are they going to move on from him and I think there's going to be that little bit of incentive there from his side as well the other question I suppose I'll put next is you mentioned the quarterback we took in Matt Ryan we did take a quarterback before that so we and I've mentioned kind of that round five as a flat zone and 
pretty much all of the drafts I've done so far this season, I have ended up in round five taking one of kind of the Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray uh, quarterbacks because uh, it's just the area where I think it flattens off a lot in the draft. So if we were going back and doing this draft again, the Pitts pick is the one that I might swap, but I was kind of very interested there in McLaurin or Lamb. I think being in the draft with you the day before and having gotten Lamb, I think that probably put Zach off going for Lamb again in back-to-back drafts. Um, so that was um, the decision then that we went to play with uh, Kyle Pitts. But what's your thoughts on, and I know we touched on this last week, but that, that quarterback in round five, is that something that is starting to appeal to you? I think that when you look at the way the ADPs are falling out, that round five is a flat round that's not particularly interesting. And when you think about, especially in a tournament, the upside that a player like Prescott, like Murray, like Lamar Jackson has, and you guys went with Jackson instead of Prescott, I'm assuming, again, that's because Zach had drafted Dak with me the day before. The monster upside that you get when you're trying to win a tournament I think is very, very appealing. And some of those guys, maybe not Jackson quite as much, but with a Kyler Murray or a Dak Prescott, you have some elite wide receivers that you can pair with them to, again, get that big uh, couple week spurt that will win you the $100,000. I think the biggest regret that I possibly had sort of going back through this is simply looking at my own rankings, looking at the board again. I mentioned that one of the things that I was hoping to get would be a late pick because then there are some of the guys who really fit into that where you don't have to reach. Now, T. Higgins is kind of that guy where, you know, the ADP toward the end of round five, early round six, I think that's absolutely insane, right? I have T. Higgins as being a late second to early third round value. And so going back through this draft here where we picked Dak with the 504, Higgins still on the board, he's not going to come back around. And I think the value there – it. Based on my rankings, that's already a two-round value for us. I probably would prefer to take Higgins, make sure that we're finishing out that wide receiver group early with enough firepower, and then come back and get quarterbacks who drop. Now, Joe Burrow, someone we could have drafted in round seven. I think that Higgins and Burrow probably is better than Prescott and Boyd. Although, again, Boyd is one of the people that we have been writing about all the time. Uh, Sam Wallace just had another fantastic article out on the site yesterday looking at three guys who sort of had slower finishes and they were misleading finishes in terms of what they mean for 2021. You look at the full season, it gives you a little bit better result than uh, looking at the fast finishes or the slow finishes and trying to buy that way. So Prescott and Boyd, a very good group there, a very good pairing, even though obviously you're not getting the QB and wide receiver together. But I think that not getting Higgins when you're looking at these round five quarterbacks, that's really the thing that you give up that I think hurts you. You know, you have Russell Wilson, who's going later, especially in terms of tournaments. There's some interesting element to that. You have someone like a Tom Brady, who is surrounded by elite weapons going several rounds later. And then sort of the controversial pick in the draft that Zach and I did in round 11, we're starting to look for the second quarterback and we have been debating a little bit between Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan. I guess I'm just not as high on Ryan, giving some of the context there this year. I think that Julio replaced with Kyle Pitts is a big step down in terms of 
redraft in terms of the explosiveness the offense will have this year they don't have anything at their running back position the schedule is not as favorable and so we got on the clock there and i really wanted lawrence for the upside having that ability to do what burrow and herbert did last season uh, someone who you know if you take the same draft and have it a year from now you're talking about someone who jumps five six seven rounds you had mentioned this idea well who are the guys you don't like that you still find yourself drafting all the time and i said i just I don't ever draft those players. And that goes back to something that we talk about, you know, every several months as the real key to what we do roster construction wise and player selection wise, which is our drafts are almost entirely based on landing players. We expect to go earlier, say at midseason, much earlier next year. So you think forward in your mind, and you're like, what is a midseason draft going to look like? I want to draft off of that as opposed to drafting off of, where players are right now right so i think lawrence fits into that group one of the other things about lawrence and you guys selected him in round seven lavisca chanel the huge buzz we're going to talk about him in one of the other shows this week with the buzz that he's getting i feel even more confidence that this jacksonville offense is going to blow up they have etn they have chanel if he really is a stud and that's what it's starting to look like now everything is going to change here because the idea of being able to stop DJ Chark and Chenault with this rookie quarterback and some of the other pieces, I think this offense shifts from being one of the worst in football as we saw last year to a juggernaut very, very quickly. I want Lawrence to have a part of that. Now, the big problem there is just that I hit us with a second QB that has the same buy. And so the thing that you're then looking at is like, are you going to throw away week seven and say, okay, our total points when we go through the first 13 weeks are going to be enough, in part because for the other 12 weeks, we're actually going to have two quarterbacks for sure. Uh, or do we need to hit that third QB? Now, the thing we didn't necessarily want to do here was to use six picks at quarterback and tight end together. But the other big disappointment we had was that Logan Thomas did not make it quite back to us in round six. Mike Beers is in the draft. He was one pick ahead of us. He took Logan Thomas, which I think was the no-brainer right there. So we weren't able to get the three early tight ends we were looking for. The second tight end, Mike Gesicki, has a week 14 bye. Gesicki is too good to have him completely off your board as a result of that, but we didn't want to go into week 14 with just one tight end. So we knew we were going to take another tight end late, that puts us in a position with the six at the onesies. That's not what we were looking for, but this is another situation where if you wait on running back, it really helps you. You go into the roster construction explorer, you put in that second running back is late as opposed to early. You pull up the different QB uh, options and you see that three QB has actually had better results than two QB in this sort of construction. Now, it's not done by that many people. One of the things that we have trouble with in the RCE is just that these optimal builds are not done that often. People don't wait on running backs as long as they should, but this three QB build, a win rate over 10%, a top six percentage over 80%, and then a top 2% in that 5% range, an average score that was 100 points above average. So even though I would have preferred this had gone a different route, the results at least last season for this type of team were very, very positive yeah and i think there's a lot of interesting things you mentioned as well chenault like when people hear my show with zach and we're drafting like my discussion and i've been doing this quite regularly in my drafts is like and actually ben uh gretch mentioned this in one of the ship chasing shows recently and i'd been doing it prior to that so it was interesting is 
is Chark or is LaVisca Chenault the, the wide receiver to target there? Like, who is the wide receiver one? And I've been quite happily drafting Chenault ahead of Chark. And this draft, we didn't have to because Chark went in the seventh round. And, um, you know, then we took Visca um, just for three picks later. So, like, there's a lot of things in this offense. But if we're having two wide receivers going in round seven, we have a running back going before that. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting for this offense. And you mentioned Lawrence, like, he, he could quite easily be in that group where the, the wide receiver or the quarterbacks are going in round five uh, when we get to this time next year. You know, it's going to be interesting though, Sean, when we do a couple of drafts here coming up because uh, I'm drafting Matt Ryan a lot. Doesn't sound like you're drafting Matt Ryan at all. So uh, we could be in, I think we'll just have to target Joe Burrow in that draft and make sure we get him. Um, but I think your, your point in Higgins is interesting. Um, he is probably, like when I mentioned that round five, the target if you're not going quarterback because you're in the range then of like David Montgomery, Jacobs, Sermon, Davis uh, and Kareem Hunt so you're in that kind of running back dead zone fully involved in it there at that point so um, no I think overall a pretty good draft um, getting Lawrence there I think if you look at it in reverse I think if you had got Lawrence and Carr and took T Higgins over Prescott and then you probably would have changed your approach and not went with Boyd but maybe maybe you do double up on the the Bengals there but um I think it might have turned it around like no would you rather that now if you could swap Higgins in for Prescott and then go with the rest of the draft as you did yeah I think that that would be better some of the guys that we have here I mean Trevor Lawrence in round 11 he's not someone I'm necessarily prioritizing but I think at that level in a best ball it's really sort of a no-brainer I think that some guys like a Baker Mayfield we actually passed on Daniel Jones in round 14 because Zach was not on board with him. I understand that. I think there's some risk with Daniel Jones. Madison Parkville has a fantastic article about Daniel Jones on the site. We actually had a chance to draft um, Kenny Galladay at a point where he would have been a good value. Galladay fell. Um, he fell into the middle of round seven in this draft. We passed on him twice for Judy and Boyd. I still feel more comfortable with those guys. Again, this idea, you know, what's the draft going to look like in, you know, three, four months in midseason? What's it going to look like for 2022? I think that there are some question marks around what the Giants are doing. At the same time, if we had picked Galladay in round seven and then Daniel Jones in round 14, I mean, that's just such a clear no-brainer in terms of what the risk-reward is. And in terms of thinking about scenarios, yeah, maybe those guys is the point. But if they don't, right? The blow up potential and the value of those picks is pretty insane. It, it was interesting to me that the Galladay drafter actually had a chance at Jones in round 14 and took Sam Darnold instead, which again shows you that people are, are kind of skeptical about Jones, but he's got that deep throwing ability. He's got the sort of stealth rushing ability. He's a pretty fast guy if he gets into the open field. So I think there are some quarterbacks late that do make passing an option so one of the great things that we've seen with these hybrid quarterbacks emerging is that there's more than one route to go right the hybrid quarterbacks who have that extreme upside they are league winners for you it does make sense to occasionally hit them and have some of those guys on your roster i think that that element into fantasy now makes it a lot more fun than everybody just drafting the quarterbacks very very late at the same time I do think there are some good late options. So you can go either direction. Maybe if you have someone sitting right there, because one of the problems that you run into is you say, okay, well, round five is flat, right? So I'm going to take a QB. And then the guys that you kind of like from that range, say Higgins, maybe an Ayuk, even with the quarterback, you know, potential issues that you have there. You know, maybe you like an Adam Thielen. Maybe you like a Deontay Johnson. Those guys all go. And then you're back to round six and seven. You're like, I like some guys here, but they're not 
home run picks. They're not going to blow you away in terms of what you're looking at. So you picked a sort of a compromise pick in round five. If you're left with compromise picks in round six and seven as a result of that, then you haven't necessarily accomplished your objective. So again, we want to make sure we're looking about it from both directions. Zach and I talked a little bit about this idea of drafting back to front, what would we have done differently. And I think that that's one of the things that you see in there. Colin, before we let people go, we should let them know the running backs that we targeted, considering we were taking a single elite and a zero running back build in our two drafts. Zach and I had Pollard, Henderson, Penny, Lindsey, Cohen. I really like that group. I think at least one of them is going to go on to have a big season, this sort of unlikely scenario playing out to where they become a top 12 running back. You guys had... A really fun group, Zach Moss, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, then Lindsey and Penny again, and J.V. and Hawkins at the very end. So those are our zero running backs. Those are our drafts. We'll keep drafting. We'll keep giving you information from the best ball win rate explorers and the roster construction explorers as we go along. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun to get some real drafts in here and and have some of our first entries as we try to win the FFPC $100,000. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention as well, you mentioned some of the guys you were drafting along with our draft. We did have a show listener, uh, Frank Duffy, who uh, always was a great interaction on Twitter. Uh, lots of questions come our way from Frank as well. And uh, he did snipe us on a, a number of uh, wide receivers. So when that show comes out, or sorry, running back. So when that show comes out, uh, you'll, uh, you'll everyone will get the insight of how we felt. He took J.D. McKissick, Giovanni Bernard, Darrington Evans, all just before they were our, our target so uh smart draft in there uh, hopefully from frank as well another thing we will be aiming to do over the next uh, couple of months is do some listener leagues where you can draft along with ourselves so uh, don't miss out on those opportunities but I'm, I'm drafting pretty regularly and i usually tweet out the the league id at the ffpc on twitter so if you're looking out for those we might get some uh, slow drafts uh, coming up here as well so don't miss out as always drop us a, a review on your favorite podcast app we did hit 100 five-star reviews on apple Podcasts on the usa page this week so thanks to all our listeners for that let's keep that rolling the next goal is obviously going to be 200 so uh let's uh, get that going as quickly as possible and um, you can also get yourself that 10 percent discount to a road of his nfl pass all you have to do is add the code rb radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information on that and with that, that's going to do it for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out the piece we talked about today and much, much more great work by Sean up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back with another show later this week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.